Hello and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy. In today's episode, we have back on the podcast my good friend and colleague, Robin Kaplan. Robin is an international board-certified lactation consultant, and in today's episode, we talk about breastfeeding and the working family. We talk about the relational, emotional, and logistical transition of going back to work after you've had a baby, or if you are supporting someone who is breastfeeding and going back to work. Robin not only supported me during both of my breastfeeding experiences and journeys with my two children, but she has been an incredible resource for me here in San Diego with the clients that I work with, and now she can be a resource to you as well with her recent book that she published called Latch and now her online course, Breastfeeding for the Working Family. She can be a resource to you as well. You have access to all of her knowledge and warmth, and I'm so excited to get a chance to share her again again with all of you on this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode and let's get to it. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast with Dr. Cassidy Freitas, licensed marriage and family therapist. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, let's jump in. Robin Kaplan, this is such a joy to have you back on the podcast. And you are, I think, like my second person who has come on the podcast twice. Uh, the other awesome. one was Dr. Christine Sterling, my good friend who's an OBGYN. And so I just like my good friends are like the ones who are like coming back on and like sharing their wisdom with all the podcast listeners. And I'm just so grateful to have you back on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I love chatting with you any chance that I get. So whether it's recorded or not, it all works for me. (laughs) Well, you were a key person in my breastfeeding journey with both of my kids. And as somebody who is a working mom and as somebody who works with a lot of working moms, I thought that it'd be really wonderful for us to get get back on and talk a little bit about this transition as a lactating mom, breastfeeding mom, going back to work. Because I got to say that first time around, I was so stressed out about it. It was like this, it was like the thing that kept me up at night. It wasn't my baby keeping me up at night. It was like my, my fear about going back to work and having, you know, it impact our breastfeeding relationship and my milk supply and just all the like technical pieces, like how am I going to figure out where to pump and store it? It was, I was really stressed out and you were a key person in supporting me in that transition. And I want to share you now with everybody else. (laughs) And so I would just love to have this conversation with you today about that transition. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I've been working with breastfeeding families now for almost 10 years. My, my 10 year anniversary is coming up in October. And, um, and this whole concept of us going back to work, you know, essentially after the fourth trimester ends, um, is, is absolutely crazy. I mean, the United States, for everyone who's listening to this, who doesn't live in the United States, you are so lucky because we have the worst maternity, you know, paid family leave policy of any nation. And so we the expectations of handing off our babies to somebody else, even if it's a family member, and trying mm-hmm. to get back into the work realm um, is super, super challenging. And then you add that second layer of, you know, you've spent the past couple months 
doing everything you can to establish this breastfeeding relationship or pumping relationship, essentially just, you know, working on your milk supply. And then all of a sudden, now we have to relinquish all control over our kiddos caregivers, our supervisor, our pump. And it's just such a blow to to so many of our self-esteem and just um, our, the way that we've been working so hard to, to nurture our children. And now all of a sudden it's kind of taken away. And so it's just, it, it, it's super, super emotionally challenging beyond just the protecting your milk supply aspect of it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like everything you said just like resonates. Like I, it's actually like, it's like bringing me back there. I can like feel, <laughs> I can like feel the feelings. Oh my gosh. I remember being there. And I mean, there's, you know, the, the, the discourse and the, the societal messaging from the beginning that makes, uh, I was really unprepared for that makes breastfeeding so difficult, which is just the pressure, right? Yeah. The pressure of like breast is best and you know you are th- th- there's like life or death components to it <laughs> and that's what it feels right because it's like you are nur- nourishing your child from your body and there's the pressure that it, you know that you want it to look a certain way because that is best quote put in quotes because i think that sometimes that messaging you know can be really detrimental to many mothers who are struggling with breastfeeding um but it's just it's it's all of that is still there and you maybe have like just started to get your rhythm and like you said all of a sudden there's this big change where you're going back to work and so i'm i'm curious there's a couple things that i'd love to touch on um one just like your experience in working with as many women as you have for the past decade like what are you know some of the common experiences that can come up for women just so that if they are if they're experiencing these things they may feel some like okay this can be sort of a normal experience but also you know i think with having me here we can explore when is it not not quote unquote normal where you actually do want to get some added support. Um, But then also pieces around like, what are some, like, what are the rights of lactating moms going back into the workplace that maybe women are not aware of, so they can be aware of that. Um, And then just any other resources that you have, including yourself and things that I know you're working on to support working moms who are lactating. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, first let's talk about just the, the normal the normal emotional components that go around returning yeah. to work. So, and they, there really is a large gamut of it. I mean, so we have some breastfeeding or pumping parents that feel anxiety. So what, mm-hmm. before returning to work, so what is it going to look like for them? Where are they going to pump? How supportive are their supervisors and co- colleagues going to be? Um, how, how, how are they going to react to the pump? Are they going to be able to let down? You know, how are they going to be able to bring their milk home? Things like that. Um, so that anxiety and that stress, um, the stress of also how do they start that conversation with their supervisor to let them know that they plan on pumping? You know, this is a really intimate experience that we're having yeah. with our children. And now it's like, now we have to bring it up with someone who... We may not mesh with, or I mean, I had the most amazing boss when I returned to work, but it was still kind of a weird conversation to be like, so by the way, I'm going to take my shirt off at work and I'm going to put on these pieces that make this really weird noise, wah, 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 you know? And, um, and I'm really going to hope that no one walks into my office. And in fact, 
someone from HR did walk into my office literally as I had pulled down my shirt after my first pumping session, my first day back at work. And I thought I was just going to die of embarrassment. Like, and so it did, uh, it did prompt them to immediately put a lock on my door within 24 hours. But, um, but again, that should have never happened. You know, there was a sign on the outside of my door that said, please don't come in. Um, and so it's just, it's such a personal thing. And then now it's like, now we got to talk about it at work. So there, there's that stressful component as well. Um, I think yeah. there's a lot of guilt that goes into, it can be twofold. There's either guilt of, um, you know, leaving your baby and going back to work and, um, and that guilt of having to choose work over your child. But then on the flip side, sometimes there's guilt that's felt because, you know, breastfeeding working parent is actually excited to go back to work. I mean, maybe mother, you know, maybe maternity leave was not as fantastic as, you know, we had hoped. And so now there's this guilt of, gosh, should I feel guilty that I want to go back to work? Um, And that I don't mind pumping at work because I'm not enjoying breastfeeding. And now I get to pump in peace. You know, there's Mm. just so, so much surrounding it. Um, so, and then there's also women again, like we had just talked, I just mentioned like who are actually really excited to go back to work. I mean, there were parts Mm -hmm. of it where it was like, I don't have to talk about sleep or peeing and pooping (laughs) for eight hours straight. I can have adult conversations. And, you know, when people were like, how's your baby? I'd be like, baby's great. Can we talk about work for a little bit? Cause I'm actually really excited to be here today. And so, um, just kind of working through all of that and knowing that, every emotion that you're feeling is normal and it's okay to have these emotions, but, you know, and kind of throwing it back to you though, is when, when are those emotions beyond normal? So the anxiety, the stress, I would say the elation of going back to work. Like I I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but you know, I, but you know, when, when does it get to a point where it actually isn't normal? Um, And so what would you say about that? Yeah. So I thank you for throwing it back. Cause I, as you were talking, I was finding myself thinking about the different scenarios in which somebody may actually want to seek out some support during this transition. And, you know, I think that guilt can sometimes be this like doorway into shame. So yeah. guilt being like, Oh, like, I I don't feel great about this. Um, Shame being like, there's something wrong with me. Like I am a, I must be a bad mother for having these feelings. Right. Um, So even like the joy or elation can be this, like all of a sudden like spiral into, um, you know, a little puddle of shame of like, I must be a horrible mother for having that, like for feeling excited to go back to work. And so Sometimes these experiences or anxiety or guilt can turn into something that feels more like shame or can actually lead to impacting our functioning, right? Like if anxiety gets to the point where like, I can't go to work, like I don't feel like I can function, I can't concentrate, like I'm always on edge, I'm not able to sleep. I mean, if somebody's not sleeping, like that can turn into a crisis situation, you know, and so, or not getting any sleep, I should say. And so, you know, when it impacts functioning to, at that point, if you don't feel like you have anybody that you can talk to about these experiences, so really getting these experiences out of your heart and mind and into a safe space, those are really important times to reach out and get support. And sometimes that's natural support. Sometimes we have people in our life for, that, that can really hold space for us and that we can 
really sort of entrust with this. And we know that they're going to help us in the way that we need. Sometimes we really do need professional support. And so that's where, you know, therapists can come into play or lactation consultants or both. And then you could have them be on your team with each other. So yeah, I think that, you know, there's, there's definitely times where, you know, more support is called for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and the hope is, is that, you know, during maternity leave, having someone to guide you through this preparation of returning to work. So it can be, so again, just, you know, when, when I think about the things that stress me out the most, it's when I feel powerless, that I feel like I don't have yes. a say in a situation. And so you may not have a say to go back to work. I mean, I, I had to go back to work with both my boys because our mortgage depended on it, you know? Um, but having the ability to lay out the groundwork and to prepare so that way, you know, prepare our caregivers, prepare the baby, prepare my boss and prepare myself for that transition. Um, I, I find that when we are able to take back some of that power through preparation and education, mm -hmm. that it oftentimes can alleviate this stress and anxiety and overwhelm. Absolutely. I mean, it's so empowering. And, you know, it's the research has indicated, actually, Brene Brown's research around shame has indicated the three pillars. There are three components of shame. And it's when we feel trapped, isolated, and powerless. And I got to say that sometimes like breastfeeding and like that whole experience can really bring up a lot of those things of feeling trapped, of feeling powerless, or of feeling isolated. Like it can. And so if we sort of, I think the antidotes to, a, you know, many of these things is sort of connection and, you know, building like a support team and network and identifying and reclaiming your agency as a way of empowering you through the experience. Yeah. That, oh my gosh, that so resonates with me. <laughs> I, I love Renee Brown so much, but you, you rephrased it beautifully. Um, I, I, I think just the more that we can seek out those connections and figure out you know, what are our triggers? Why is this feeling so hard? Why are we feeling powerless? And then who are the people, whether the professionals or not professionals, to seek this, you know, seek out that support. I remember before I went back to work, there was a colleague of mine who had gone out on a maternity leave um, when I was pregnant. And she came back right before I went out on maternity leave. And she took me to lunch before I left, um, like maybe my last week at work. And we just sat and talked for like an hour about about this new transition into motherhood, because this was my first baby, um, as wow. well as how to make it work when I returned back to work and what what my rights were, and also just what the um, what the environment was in our workspace and what type of support yeah. that she found that she received and kind of she had it, she had paved the way a little bit. And so it was great because when I came back to work, I had this ally um, who um, was just such an incredible source of support. And she just, you know, it was all because she had just, you know, gone through it six months prior to me. So it was really, really awesome. And I, I so appreciated that help. Um, and mm -hmm. I, you know, I encourage the, the working parents that, um, that I work with, you know, when they're wondering what, what they should expect, like, well, do you have someone in your workspace that you can reach out to who's already gone this, uh, done this, you know, who's paving the way for you and find out what's working, what's not working. And so that way, if something does need to be changed before you return to work, 
you already have a place to a launching point to have that conversation. Right. And somebody who really understands the nuance of your unique work environment exactly. and the culture of your work environment and the situation. Oh, that's that's such a great point. So what are some of the like general rights of breastfeeding moms who are returning to work? Like what are some of those, you know, maybe a few key pieces that you think is really important that women know? Sure. So um, if, if they're returning to work in the United States, there is, if you Google and we'll, we'll include this link in the show notes, but um, it's called break time for nursing mothers and they have an FAQ section and essentially the, it does, differentiate between exempt and non-exempt employees. So therefore, you know, are you salaried or are you hourly? Um, That makes a difference. Salaried people are actually not included (laughs) in, um, in this law of protection. But I think that's because they figure that if you're salaried, you're kind of making your own hours. And so therefore you should be able to take time um, to pump. I guess that's probably not the greatest assumption, but I, I was salaried and no one even batted an eye on when I, when I pumped. Yeah. Um, but essentially, if, if you work in an organization that has 50 or more employees, you are entitled to reasonable break time and a space for expressing breast milk that is free from intrusion from anyone else. So it cannot, the employer has to provide a place other than a bathroom that is shielded from view and free from intrusion from coworkers and the public, and which may be used for an employee to express breast milk. So no matter how nice that bathroom is, if you work in a spa and it is beautiful, you still shouldn't have to pump in the restroom because would you prepare your meal in a restroom? No, you wouldn't. So um, (laughs) the reasonable break time for employees is also um, the federal law says for the first year after child's birth, Um, there are other states that have leveraged this up a little bit and they don't limit it to the first year. They just, you know, say to the entirety of the breastfeeding relationship or pumping relationship is going on. Um, Reasonable break time truly should be in quotes because that is determined by what your employer deems as reasonable time. And so what I tell parents is try to negotiate 15 to 20 minutes per pumping session and that, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on the laws of your state for break time. So for California, for every three and a half hours, you work consecutively, you're required to have a 10 minute paid break. That's California. Um, Other states might have Mm -hmm. 15 minutes, but it's unpaid. And so, but there are certain requirements for when you work a certain amount of hours consecutively that you have to have a break and therefore your break time can be used for pumping breast milk. Um, Yeah. So I'm trying to think if if there are under 50 employees, that's kind of a a sticky spot. Um, I would say, though, that most organizations do not they want to retain their employees. I was just looking online today um, how much it costs to onboard an employee. And it's somewhere between five to six thousand dollars to onboard a new employee. And that's not including the amount of time that the amount of money that that Uh, business is losing when that position is sitting vacant. So therefore, Mm -hmm. as an employer, for even for myself, 
I do not want to lose my employees. I have a very vested interest in them. And I have less than 50 employees. Granted, I'm a breastfeeding sensor. So of course, I'm going to give my employees, you know, time and space to pump. However, the, the thing to point out to um, organizations that have less than 50 employees is that this is a temporary situation. There are ways to make it work so that it doesn't impact the productivity and that yeah. um, it is it is very good for retention and morale. So they should yeah. still want to do it anyway. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, yeah. the law does not protect uh, pumping parents who return to work for um, businesses less than 50 employees. Mm. What about like uh, storage, like milk storage? And, you know, because I know like, for instance, in my office, I have a little mm-hmm. fridge. Literally the only people that use it are the moms who come and are pumping in session with me because you know, this is like the one time that they get away from yeah. their baby. And so there's a little fridge in here for them to store their milk. What about milk storage? Like, are there any, are there any laws around that or anything that you, you know, suggest to moms in terms of preparation for storage and like cleaning all the supplies that come with all that? Yeah, equipment? sure. So um, there, there is nothing in the law that states that they have to provide a fridge, but in all honesty, mm. totally not necessary. Um, I used one of yeah. those lunch sacks and then I just went yeah. to Target and bought one of those blue ice you know, things and just yeah. froze it every night, kept it in the little lunch insulated lunch sack, put my, excuse me, my pumping bags in there. And, um, and then it was fine for when I got home, I just transferred it into the fridge for usage the next day. Or if it was a Friday, I got home and I just put it directly into the freezer. So um, for family or for working parents who, you know, like travel in their car a lot. So, you know, I've worked with, for example, like pharmaceutical reps or for therapy practitioners who are going home to home um, to help their patients. Uh-huh. Um, I would recommend a, something a little bit stronger, um, like a cooler. So because that lunch sack, yeah. it, it's not going to, it's not going to handle, you know, sitting in the car and it's 90 degrees. So, um, but a cooler yeah. will for sure. So a little igloo or something yeah. even fancier could be really helpful. And then for washing yeah. pieces, so the CDC um, on their website, they do recommend for the safest milk handling and storage possible that you wash all of your pieces bef- after each pumping session. The challenge is, is that, yeah. I mean, when I worked in, my, in the museum that I worked in, the only place that I could have washed those pieces was in the restroom where all the other employees went to the bathroom. And so I tried that the first day and I was like, this is terrible. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to wash my milk that I just pumped down the sink while someone else was washing their hands after they just went to the bathroom. So what I ended up doing was just buying extra pump pieces. And so I had three sets for Mm -hmm. the three times that I pumped. And when I was done, I popped them into a Ziploc bag. And then when I got home, I just washed all of them. Um, Other people I know will take... Uh, quick clean wipes or things like that. Just wipe them down really well, and then store them in a bag. And then, um, and then they'll even use the same pieces for a later pumping session. Um, that is totally up to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a professional, I have to recommend that you know you you have separate pieces or really yeah. wash them. But as a working parent, I would say that you probably could get away with it if you have a baby or a child that is not you know compromised immunologically and things like that. Yeah. Okay. 
So I'm thinking about like, what were some of the like main like pain points, you know, of like going back to work for me. And a big, a big one was like, was work and how am I going to have these conversations and how am I going to pump there and have the time and make sure that I'm, that all of that is sort of in place. And then another big piece was, was my baby and was, you know, again, like preparation in terms of like, Mm -hmm. do I have enough milk stored? How much milk do I need to have stored? Is my baby going to take the bottle? Is my baby going to starve while I'm not there? (laughs) Like, you know, all of these sort of fears and anxieties. And I know that um, connected to what we were saying earlier, that preparation and is, a, is really a great way and education is a great way to feel empowered. And that's a great antidote to some of those anxieties or, you know, feelings of guilt or shame. So uh, maybe just a few quick tips that you have in terms of like the preparation, like leading up, like for both you and your baby and your milk supply. Absolutely. So I do have a free guide on my website that walks you through kind of a timeline of when is a good time to start start pumping for your freezer stash, for example. When is a good time to introduce a bottle to your baby so that way you're not waiting too long and then they decide that they have no desire in the bottle. Um, So, but I can kind of explain it right now and then your listeners can absolutely go and download that free guide. Uh, So freezer stash, I would say, is probably one of the largest anxiety provoking, (laughs) um, you know, situations for parents returning back to work. And I just want to lay it out there. You don't need hundreds of ounces. You are going to be pumping while at work. And therefore, you are going to be replenishing constantly that amount that you put in your freezer. So what I like to recommend to working parents is just having a stash of about 30 ounces. And so maybe 10 bags of three ounces each. And you can start doing, you can start collecting you know, an ounce here, an ounce here, an ounce there after breastfeeding sessions, um, maybe once a day for, you know, once your baby's like three, four weeks old. So get breastfeeding established first before you add something else into the routine. But if you pump after a morning breastfeeding session, you might get a half an ounce or an ounce after your baby fed. Don't try to do this in the evening because that's when our supplies are, you know, are a little bit more diminished. We tend to be more full in the morning. And so Mm -hmm. if you do that every day, then that's essentially putting away two bags, two three and a half half ounce bags every week. So, um, So that's a really easy way to build up the freezer stash. Uh, The other massive stressful anxiety provoking thing is what if my baby doesn't take a bottle how am I going to feed my kiddo and and as well the or the flip side is my baby loves the bottle and so how do I prevent overfeeding and how do I make sure that they still want to come back to the breast when I come home and so there is a window of opportunity to introduce a bottle we have a youtube video actually for how to introduce a bottle um, in a baby-led friendly way and so that way baby's in charge of the feeding and um, are more in control of the feeding and they're not just this passive feeder who's having milk drip down the back of the throat and so you want to introduce the bottle during this window of opportunity of about three to six weeks of age 
and um, and then keep it as part of the routine. I've worked with so many families who introduced the bottle between three and six weeks. Baby took it beautifully, and they're like, "Sweet, I don't want to keep pumping and offering a bottle. I just want to breastfeed." So we'll bring it back into the routine at about ten weeks, and then they try it again, and their baby looks at them like they have like you know five heads. Yeah. Like, what What are you doing? You have boobs. Why are you trying to offer me a bottle? And so keeping it as part of the routine a couple times a week can be super, super helpful. And then there are babies who are not like, they don't like the bottle straight from the get go. And if that's the case, if you tried for about a week of introducing a bottle and your baby won't take it, reach out to a lactation consultant in your area or, and we even do um, virtual consultations, but there's a reason that your baby's not taking a bottle. And if you're introducing it between three and six weeks, they should take it. So if they're not, then we want to figure out what that reason is and provide support. So that way you have the chance to practice it before you before you return to work. Um, and then there are also, like I mentioned, there are those kiddos who are like, sweet, I will take whatever you put in my mouth. This is awesome. And please make sure to put massive amounts of milk in that bottle because I enjoy it so much. And so my, my kiddos had convinced my parents that um, that six to eight ounces was a great amount to get in a bottle three times a week, three times a day. And there was no way that I would ever bring home 24 ounces. And yeah. so I thought my milk supply just wasn't good enough. I had no idea that they were overfeeding my baby. And mm. I think a lot of parents are more in tune than I was maybe, you know, 12 and 14 years ago. And so that is one of their concerns is how do I keep our caregivers from overfeeding my baby? And so um, we want to just talk to caregivers about using paste feeding or baby led feeding and bottle feeding and how to read their cues and ways to soothe a kiddo other than just popping a bottle into their mouths. Um, yeah. And as usually, as long as breastfeeding is going well, it's, it's very rare that a baby will all of a sudden decide that they like the bottle better. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you remember this, but I mean, I remember coming home and my even like five months, six months old, you know, th- my kiddos would be so happy to see me and they would be like, all right, I'm ready for boob. <laughs> yeah, even though they had been getting eight ounces in the bottle and they weren't getting that for me, you know, they were just like, thank you for being home. You smell delicious. Can you please take that shirt off? Yeah, I'm ready to cuddle. And so well, I have like distinct memories of that, yeah. of like getting home and like my, my dad or my mother-in-law or my mom or my, somebody being like, they literally just ate. There's no way they're hungry. And I'm like, oh yeah you want to bet like they want my boob right yeah, now <laughs> it's true it's true so it it is rare I, and it's a very very valid concern that you know the baby is going to prefer the bottle to the breast absolutely and we see these horror stories online that that occurs but it typically is a baby who's struggling with breastfeeding already mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so then they have the opportunity of getting more consecutive feedings that are easier for them and then mm-hmm. that's when we might see it so again another reason to really try to figure out breastfeeding as best as possible getting that support team in place while on maternity leave so that way the goal is to work through those kinks so when then you do go back to work you can put that fear aside Oh, and I could just so see how that experience of going back to work and then like those cases where the baby then prefers the bottle. I mean, just how it's devastating. 
it's yeah, this abs- and yeah. painful that could be. And so what I'm hearing you say is like the preparation and the, you know, up in the beginning and, you know, getting that support early on, because if there's challenges, like that's going, that will, yeah, still show up later on. Yeah. And so getting that support early on. Yeah, it, it's critical. If, if breastfeeding is something that is very important to the working parent, then if there are challenges, you want to try to dial things back and have it as easy as possible when you do go back to work. The hard part is, though, that I see a lot is that, you know, for, for families who are having breastfeeding challenges, sometimes the turning point is like 10 weeks, 12 weeks, and then they go back to work. And it's just yeah. like, we worked so hard to get to this point um, that yeah. that can feel really devastating as well. But I would say in, in my practice, I typically see that even if it takes that long to really feel confident about how breastfeeding is going, usually we don't see too much of a backslide. Because again, keep in mind, you're breastfeeding before you go to work, you're breastfeeding after you go to, you know, after you get home, you might still be breastfeeding a few times in the middle of the night, you're breastfeeding on your days off. And so these are just, it's not as many hours as you think away from your baby. And so all the effort that you put in shouldn't be rewound when all of a sudden they're getting bottles again. Yeah. So, you know, I, I know that with a lot of the, the clients and the moms that I work with, they really struggle sometimes with permitting themselves to make the decision that breastfeeding is no longer working for them for a variety of reasons, whether it's, you know, it's, it's actually in their best interest from a mental health perspective that they um, aren't breastfeeding because having a happy mom is, is way more of a antidote, you know, an antibody than, um, than having, um, than having breast milk at times, you know? And so, or just like their life or lifestyle. And it's like the decision to not breastfeed. And so, I love when I get an opportunity to sit with a lactation consultant, somebody whose whole job and career is to support lactating moms, to ask you the question of, for those moms who are listening and they're struggling for a variety of reasons and are grappling with the decision to no longer breastfeed, what is the message that you would share to them? You're totally making me cry. Um, I mean, I I, I do see this and um, I think, you know, these parents have a lot of options. They could, they could, you know, it doesn't always have to be all or nothing. So that would be the first thing to find out is where, where is this mom feeling like, or what, what solution does this mom feel would best suit her needs? So is it just a decrease of the amount of breastfeeding? Is it a switch to exclusively pumping? Is it a switch to combo feeding? So rather than being the sole nutrition provider, is there a way to relieve some of that pressure yet still provide breast milk? So, I mean, sometimes like the release of that pressure valve is so, is like life changing, life giving. Absolutely. So I, you know, as a lactation consultant, sometimes it feels like just having the permission to be like, it's mm. okay. Like, you know, it, that breastfeeding, you know, we, what I, what I say, I've, I've used this quote a lot is just, you know, we, 
we breastfeed because we have children. We don't have children because we love breastfeeding so much. I mean, there are some people out there who are like, you know, they love to breastfeed, so they keep having babies. But that's typically yeah. not the situation. You know, we breastfeed because yeah. a baby is in our life now. And so if if breastfeeding is not working or it's impacting our mental health, then it's better to find a way to regain that mental health stability than to push something that is impacting it negatively. So is it a ma- is it a mix of just relinquishing some of the responsibility of providing breast milk? Is it relinquishing the responsibility that the breast milk always has to come from the breast? Should we switch it to just pumping or, you know, back and, you know, sometimes pumping, sometimes breastfeeding? Or is it a matter of this is this is actually critical to mom's yeah. ability to heal is that breastfeeding and providing milk is not really the best option anymore. And if that's the yeah. case, I, I don't know any lactation consultants or I, I hope I don't know any who would say that, well, the breast milk is still super critical at that point because it's not, yeah. I mean, we, we need, there's no, there's so, I mean, you know, how many studies are out there showing that a parent's mental health impacts their child in so many different ways. And if there's something that like breastfeeding or providing breast milk that is negatively impacting our ability to connect, that that's mm-hmm. not why we had children. We had children to connect to right. them and to love them and nurture them. And it doesn't necessarily have to include breast milk or breastfeeding. Yeah. Something that my, my colleague, Dr. Sterling, says is she says mama you are more than your breast milk and whenever i hear that when i first read it it just gave me chills because there's just so many women that i have you know been in the space with of that pain and struggling and just feeling swallowed up by the pressure and just that permission to say you know what like your breast milk is breast milk is so cool and it's so beautiful and if it's working for you, like let's find ways to support this to continue to work for you. But if it's not, you are more than your breast milk. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, there, there are so many options as well. And so I, I really, whenever I have a family that I'm working with who is struggling um, mentally, emotionally, and it appears that, that breastfeeding is really tied into it. We just talk about, okay, so what, what is not working and what is working? You know, cause sometimes they'll say like, well, I love to breastfeed before I go to bed. And bef- when I wake up, I love it. It's a co- fantastic connection time. But then the rest of the day, yeah. I can't stand it. And it's like, okay, well then yeah. what do we do about that? You know, that, I think it, it, it's, it's so important, just like with anything, there's never a one size fits all mm-hmm. solution. And so how do we make it fit within the parameters of that family? So that everybody's needs are being met to the best of their abilities. And so you're telling me here, and I want to make sure people hear this, um, is that lactation consultants can also support you in the transition out of your breastfeeding relationship and journey, like, or in the transition of changing your, your breastfeeding relationship or journey, like lactation consultants can show up at any point during that relationship from the beginning to the end. Is that correct? Yeah, they should. Um, I don't want to speak for everyone in my profession, but what I would say is that most 
or the the most compassionate ones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, we people come to work with us at the San Diego Breastfeeding Center for bottle yeah. feeding. They come to us to transition from breastfeeding to sometimes combo feeding. They come to us with weaning um, and in all stages. So not just weaning, you know, after a year, but sometimes it's weaning at four months, you know, whatever it is. Um, And so our, our goal, at least, you know, in my practice is we're there to provide education and support in a judgment-free zone. And so whenever we start a consultation, and I hope that all of my professional colleagues do the same. My, the first question I ask is, what do you want to accomplish today? This is not for me to decide what I think you should do, because I don't live in your home, and I don't live with your family, and I don't live in your, you know, I'm not your person, you know, and it, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, I, mean, I guess I can be your person. If you need me to be your person, I'll be your person. But, um, but as, again, like, I, I, I don't walk in your shoes right. every day. And so therefore, what is your goal? What do you want to accomplish? What is what would you like this to look like? And then how can I help you achieve that goal? So yes, lactation consultants should be helping with all types of feeding, as well as weaning, because we know how to protect, you know, mom from getting plug ducts and mastitis as she weans, we know ways to speed it up, we know ways to slow it down based on what the needs are for the family. And so we're there for the entirety, if a family so desires that to be the case. Robin, such a pleasure to have you back on the podcast. You are such an incredible resource. I'm so grateful to have, well, personally had you in my life, in my own breastfeeding journey and relationship, Um, but just also now as a colleague and friend. And you like mentioned several amazing resources, like YouTube videos and freebie guides and um, like websites that have all this information. And I also know you have an e-course. So can you please tell us more about that? And then will you definitely send me all the links to all these things I can share in the show notes? Absolutely. So um, so speaking of preparing to go back to work, um, just, you know, with my experience of working with so many families who are transitioning back to being working parents and wanting to protect their breastfeeding relationship and their milk supply. Um, I decided to take my in-person course to an online course. So it's called Breastfeeding for the Working Family. And the goal of it is to relieve and reduce all of these anxieties, stress, overwhelm um, for the breastfeeding and pumping parent and to ease into a very seamless transition of going back to work. So it includes um, several, I think there's 14 videos. They're all very short. So they're, they're easy to watch on your phone, you know, when you have a few minutes here and there. Um, And it's broken up into multiple different components. So it's preparing yourself. So getting to know your pump, you know, getting that freezer stash, things like that. Um, It's preparing your baby. So how to introduce a bottle, how to maintain the bottle, how to prepare your caregiver with the things that we spoke about in this episode, just not overfeeding your baby, giving them solutions for not just um, popping a bottle into their mouth so that way they're overfeeding them and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then the last component is really just how to how to talk about this with your supervisor. So setting up a supervisor meeting 
before you come back. So that way, at least when that first day back, you're not trying to figure out the the nitty gritty of where are you going to pump and when are you going to pump and all that kind of stuff. You want to work out those details ahead of time because I'm, I'm sure you remember, Cassidy, that first week back of work is is a whole bunch of uh, emotional mess. Yeah. Um, I mean, I sat, I must have cried every time I, you know, every yeah. few minutes I felt like in my office and it gets easier. It gets so much easier. But that first week is so emotional yeah. for so many different reasons. And so working out, preparing and working out and having all those conversations with everyone who's part of your team um, before you return to work is critical. So so the, cl- the online course has videos that go over all of this preparation. It has handouts. So how to have a supervisor meeting, how to prepare your caregivers, how to set up your pumping schedule, things like that. And then probably my favorite part of it is that we have this private Facebook group that goes along with anyone who's purchased the course. And so what that means is I have office hours once a week through a Facebook Live. So once you return to work, or even before you've returned to work, say you have questions that weren't answered in the course, then you get to ask me and I'm happy to answer them for you. And um, and it's also a way to utilize the resources of people who are working parents. So we just ha- one of the questions that was posted in our group today was, hey, I just found out that my office actually has a hospital grade pump that I can use, but I don't even know what to do because I've never used a hospital grade pump. What's the deal with the settings? Do I need to bring my own flanges? All that kind of stuff. And then they all just answered each other. And so it's just an amazing resource for that time in your life when you really need people to just share their experiences. So um, your listeners do get uh, a little special deal. And so, um, yeah, so the coupon code will be holding space 15. And so any of your listeners who would like to um, purchase this course, they get $15 off. And, um, and, you know, it's a great uh, baby shower gift too. So if you, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, I've already gone back to work, but you have a friend who's about to have a baby and you know, she's going to be going back to work. Like how great to just be like, Hey, by the way, you're going to need this. And then, and then just buy it for them. So there, there are lots of ways to use it, but I'm really excited about it because I feel like these conversations just, we, there needs to be more support for working parents who are breastfeeding and pumping. And so my hope is that this course and the Facebook group will really be able to provide that support. So that way these families just feel like they can rock it on their first day back at work. Oh, Robin, you are such a gift to this world. And I'm so (laughs) grateful that we had this conversation. I'm so excited to share it. Thank you, Robin, so much. Where can people find you? Yes. So um, our website is San Diego Breastfeeding Center.com. And the class, if you want to you know, take a look at the details of it, is under our section of classes under the online class tab. Um, we also have a Facebook page and an Instagram um, page. Are they pages? Instagram page <laughs> as well. No. Um, we have a YouTube channel called DIY Breastfeeding. So that's where you'll be able to find that, how to introduce a bottle video. And um, let's see, where else are we on? Um, we do have a Pinterest account, but it's not doing too much right now. <laughs> and, and then I have a book. So I think we may have talked about that in the last episode, but I do yeah. have a book called Latch, a handbook for breastfeeding with confidence at every stage. And there is a chapter in there that goes over returning to work, but the course just really you know, has so, so much more detail than one chapter, but it's another resource for sure. 
Oh, I love the book. It is my number one gift that I give to all moms. Oh, thank you. Happens. Yep. <laughs> all right, Robin. Well, thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. And if for all those who are listening, looking for any of these links, they will be in the show notes. Thank you, Robin. Thanks, Cassidy. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. If you did, you might want to subscribe and be the first to hear about future episodes as soon as they air. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me. Have a great day.